Hi, welcome to the Holes of Remarks show, and today I am talking to... Time to introduce yourself, please. Kevin Malick and Jennifer Malick. And can you tell me a little bit about yourselves? Sure. Uh, well, I'm a paranormal historian, and I'm the founder of the Northern Wisconsin Paranormal Society Limited. Uh, I'm also a ufologist with the UFO Wisconsin... Uh, research team, informally with MUFON, as a certified field investigator. And I'm also a conspiracy analyst for Ultimate Conspiracies. And uh, Jennifer and myself are for Supernatural Magazine. And uh, we are hosts of Paraversal Universe on the Late Night in the Midland Radio Network. And I am a psychic medium, resident demonologist for the Northern Wisconsin Paranormal Society Limited. I am also a contributing writer to Supernatural Magazine, and I am a remote viewer for the Project Psy Institute. Oh, so this is quite a relevant question I'm going to ask you next. What kind of paranormal experiences have you had yourselves? Mine are, uh, I've had three UFO sightings in my life, and I had a Bigfoot sighting. Uh, the Bigfoot sighting was the catalyst to starting the society, and uh, we had a, a Bigfoot cross the road uh, in front of us, me and a buddy of mine, and uh, when you see someone like that, it really changes your paradigm. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know if you want me to tell you the story. Or, yeah, yeah, or, fine, yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, you go okay, ahead, okay, sir. Well, well, I'll try to be quick about it. Um, it was the hottest day of the year. I was in my mid-20s. I was with a buddy of mine, and we were driving... Uh, down a county road. It was Saturday morning. It was 10 a.m. Uh, it was like 100. It turned out to be 104 degrees that day. It set a record uh, for that year. It's being the hottest day. And by 10 a.m., uh, we already had our shirts off. We were in Bermuda shorts. The, the sunroof was open, and, and we were flying down this county road. And we come around a bend and I hear this this person come to off the shoulder and starts crossing the highway in front of us. And right away when you you know, uh, as you see the you can't see the that first one we saw you couldn't see the, the you could make up colors, but you could see the, the outline, the shape. And I'm like, Hey look, it's Bigfoot joking. Thinking it must have been a tall, hunched over old man carrying two five-gallon buckets as they were swinging side to side. Because this this person, which turned out to be a creature, crossed the highway in four or five steps, tops, uh, and its arms were swinging side to side. Uh, so we made, by the time it crossed the highway and it had gone down back into the thicket, we had closed the distance enough to, to see that. It wasn't an old man. 
you know, carrying two five-gallon buckets. But it was all paneling brown. It was it was dark. And my buddy stopped the car before it crossed. And when it crossed into to the other side, it went right into the woods, and it was instantly gone. Okay, so by the time my buddy stopped the car, and he looked over, and he goes, you want to go in there after it? I'm like, are you crazy? Did you see how big it was? It will kill us. There was no path. There was no driveway. There was no man carrying five-gallon buckets. I thought that perhaps we would stop and there would be a trail and a little man carrying five-gallon buckets. And I could see, okay, for a minute there, I thought I was seeing a Sasquatch. But no, there's the, the brush wasn't moving, the bramble wasn't moving, and here something had just crossed the highway right in front of us. And it looked like a Bigfoot. Then five-gallon buckets that were swinging side to side were its forearms, which went almost all the way to the ground. So, um, yeah, so all the way home, we're trying to figure out what this could have been. You know, uh, it wasn't a bear. Bears walk more like Frankenstein when they do walk. You ever see a bear walk up, right? It doesn't stride. This thing was striding. Its arms were swinging from side to side. Uh, and uh, it, it was so hot that day, we couldn't even imagine anyone hoaxing anything because they would have had to have been in some brown Bigfoot suit with like extensions or something because it was tall and the arms were long. And uh, it just, nothing we thought of made sense other than we saw a Bigfoot. So we get home and we look at a map and sure enough it was going towards a water source and we thought perhaps we come around the bend and it was so hot that day that it, uh, it decided to leave its element to get some water and uh, you know it crossed the road normally when it went to and you know, we were probably downwind and then coming around the corner and there was crossing the road right as we come around. And uh, yeah, so that's, and, you know, once that experience happened, you know, I had seen a couple of UFOs by then and I knew the UFOs were real. But with the UFOs, you can always say, well, maybe they're government. But the Bigfoot, that's totally different. I mean, it's a creature. It's like, wow, these things are in our woods up here. This is real. I don't, you know, like, I'll be, you know, darn. So, uh, at that point, uh, back then, there was no Bigfoot uh, presence or the research organizations or anything. There was no finding Bigfoot or anything. There was BFRO, but they weren't famous because, you know, the, the show hadn't had been out yet. Um, there was MUFON which I eventually got involved with, but there was nothing that was that, to investigate all aspects of the paranormal. TAPS was out uh, when this experience happened. So, uh, at least a TV show, I should say. And, you know, so we started the society, or I started the society, um, and, yeah. So all these years later, here we are, and the know Wisconsin Paranormal Society. Uh, we cover the top third of Wisconsin. Uh, we cover eight categories of the unknown and unexplained. We have around 15 members. 
and uh, we've been doing this. This will be our tenth uh, year in, in, as, as uh, an official society. How, how about you, Jennifer? For me, growing up, it was a little different. Um, I was born with my abilities, and fortunately for me, I had a very supportive network of the women in my family who were also gifted. So whenever I had experienced something that scared me, I would go to them and they would explain it to me. And it, my first encounter, actually, um, I was five years old. The house that my childhood home is in the state, it was in Hudson County in northern New Jersey. And the house was built between the 17 and 1800s. And um, sometime back in that time, I'm not sure, I never really did find out a date or whatever. There was a family, a mother and her kids. Um, and I guess somehow they ended up being, the house ended up being broken into and they were murdered. And so at five, you know, when you're five years old, you, 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 you can't really articulate because you're just trying to get used to how your body works and all that. And I would see this woman in a white gown. I would see her on a constant basis. And this went into my teens. And when I got old enough, um, I came home from school one day and my parents were sitting in the kitchen talking to each other and there was a woman standing in between them at the table and I could see this woman clear as day because she looked real to me like you and me real like flesh and blood real and they were having a conversation and I was like oh you know you know, mom and dad asked how my day was how school was and I was like everything is fine you know I was like, we have company. And my mom's like, what are you talking about? And I said, and I said, okay, this isn't funny. And I said, who's the lady standing here that you guys are talking to? Is it a family member I haven't met? Is it a neighbor? Is it someone from the neighborhood? And my parents looked at each other and got really quiet. And after a minute, my mother turns around and she goes, you're telling me that you see a woman standing there. I said, yeah. And she was, can you describe her to me? So I described her in complete detail, what she looked like then. And my mom and dad kind of had like this look of shock on their faces. And my mother said, um, she's not a family member or she's not a friend from the neighborhood. And I'm like, okay. And I said, who is she? And my mom's like, my mom said when the house was built, around the time after the house was built, was when this woman passed away and she'd been murdered in the basement of our house. So here I am, just, you know, trying to figure out what they just said. And it took a minute for it to register. And I realized at that moment that I was seeing somebody that... I thought my parents could see as well. And from there, I've, had, I've been able to see spirits for my entire life. So that was actually one of many encounters I had with 
the spirit world. Have you ever experienced something that you felt scared by or uneasy with, like, you know, like a, a present wherever you've been or like when you do an investigation? Yeah. Um, I actually have had se- several years ago now. It's been so long ago. I can't even remember how, how long ago it was. I was living in South Florida at the time and a team had asked me to come in and do a medium walk at the house because the people that called them were having scary activity and they couldn't figure out what it was or didn't know what was going on and they they wanted somebody with abilities to come in to help. So they contacted me and I showed up. Um, So as I stepped foot out of the car and onto the block of the property, I knew something bad was there. I had a really bad feeling. I could just feel evil. It just felt really dark, really ominous. It's like walking into a very thick, heavy wall of oppression. So I walk into this house and, you know, the team members greet me and they introduce me to the homeowners, uh, husband and wife, and they're telling me about some of the activities going on and they wanted me, you know, they thanked me for coming to walk the house. Before I started getting ready to walk the house, I was drawn to the closet of their their downstairs hallway because this house was two level. And... So they open the closet, and I keep feeling that there's something weird with the floor. So they put on the light switch, and they get down, and they're feeling around, and they come up with some loose boards. They pull up the loose boards, they pull out a black cloth, and they unwrap the black cloth, and sure enough, there's a Ouija board. So at this time, I had, we had all turned to the homeowners, and I had asked if they had any knowledge of the Ouija board, to which they said no. So I said I was going to walk the house. I walked the whole lower level, and I didn't feel anything down there, but couldn't explain the feeling I had walking into the house. I got up the first set of stairs. Now, the way the stairs works is it's a set of steps, and it's got one big flat step, and then you have to turn up on an angle to get to the second set of steps to go up to the second floor. I had made the flat step, and I had just gotten on the second step. I had my hand on the banister, and I was ready to go up the stairs, when all of a sudden, I felt this really nasty, strong, cold breeze, and I looked up, and I was completely frozen at this point, because standing in front of me at the top of the stairs was a seven-foot-tall, black, shadowy mass. I was completely terrified. I couldn't move. I couldn't blink. I couldn't scream. I couldn't talk. I couldn't get words out. A few seconds later, this thing rushed at me, picked me up to where I was, to where it had reached me on the stairs. Like, and like a rag doll, it threw me from the steps across the room and I smacked right into, right smacked right against the wall screwed up my left ankle. At this point, I have this thing in my head telling me that I have no right to be there, that it was invited and had permission to be there. And at this point, everyone's rushing to help me up. 
except the homeowners. I look up and the homeowners are laughing at me. They picked me up, we got to the stairs. My own set stairs on the hallway by the front door. I looked at them and I said, you people are disgusting. I said a lot of more words that are not fit for radio. I said, you don't need help. I said, you need God and you need Jesus and you need to stop doing this to people because it seems, according to this thing, that you've been purposely setting up people to come to this house to see if they could pick up on something just to see if they would get attacked or not. So after that, they took me home and about a week later, I started noticing little black shadows around the house where I was living. It got to the point where I would wake up, even when I was asleep, day or night, I would get pinned down the furniture. I would get slapped around. I would get scratches. I would come up with bruises where I couldn't even tell you they came from. It all came to a head one night when I finally had enough of it, and I had called the priest, and I explained to him what had been going on, and he said he would come out the next day and do a house blessing. So that night, before I went to bed, I decided to take a shower. As I was in the middle of the shower, I felt a big cold breeze. And before I could say anything, now I wear St. Michael's and St. Benedict medals around my neck at all times. I never, ever take them off. In this instance, they were on a cord around my neck. Medals ended up getting pulled, they ended up coming, ended up coming off of the cord. Now, the cord I had was still intact, and the metals were on the floor. A few seconds later, I was pinned up against the wall of the shower, and this thing proceeded to smack the snot out of me. Um, after a few minutes of regaining myself, regaining my composure, and getting out of the shower, I called the priest again, and I let him know what had just transpired. So the next day, he came out and he did a house blessing, and he got rid of this thing. Um, the thing that was my first ever encounter with anything demonic comes to find out later on that the people that I bought the house for were practicing Satanists, and they had two kids. Their kids weren't there. Their kids actually got reported um, social services by a neighbor because the parents of this kid were bragging to people that they knew in the neighborhood that when their kids were born, they attached demons to their children. Um, I have on the left side of my body, underneath my rib cage, I have a nice scar from it. So, yeah, that would I, I would say out of all the experiences I had, that would have been the most scary one I've ever had. I always find it strange that the church that doesn't believe in ghosts or spirits or demons has an exorcism unit in the Vatican that exists. They don't like to admit it exists, but we all know it does. And all priests... Are... Don't you find that odd? Yeah, I find it odd. I don't really find it surprising. Uh, I... I... I think that that, um, that that demons and the good spirits have to both coincide with each other, like we do. We we deal with good and evil in our lives all the time. 
so there has to be one or the other. And I sometimes think that this is only a personal view. I apologise if it might upset people. But my, my personal view is that God could be schizophrenic. That one side is the good part and the other side is the demon part. That's interesting here. Yeah, it's the first time I've heard that before. It is interesting. But, you know, just to be clear on my end, this, this wasn't an, an exorcism. It was just a house blessing. Yeah. Uh, he came in and just did a simple house blessing and got rid of this thing before it got worse. Because yeah. before I called him in, it would have, it was escalating. Because yeah, we got the famous case of the, the film, The Exorcist which is based on a true story. And apparently that was to do with, I've been told, and I don't know if this information is correct, with um, abuse in the family. Yeah, this one is actually, for people who are familiar with it, they actually came out with a book called The Possessed. It was based on, you know, this which the film was based on. And it wasn't a little girl in this account. It was a little boy in St. Louis. And um, they say that he had been abused by an aunt in the family, aside from, you know, because she was into the whole spiritualism, you know, spirit board communication and all that. So she essentially opened that doorway for this kid to get possessed. And back to Kevin, you were saying earlier about the uh, Sasquatch or Bigfoot have you ever heard of British Bigfoot? Uh, I hear that you guys have reports out there. Um, which, you know, I find is interesting. It's like anywhere else, you know. Uh, there's reports all over the planet of the hairy, upper walking, you know, upright things walking around. And, uh... You know, we have satellites, we have drones, we have infrared, we have ultraviolet, we have all, all these different, you know, cameras and, and devices, and we still can't, you know, get any solid, quote-unquote, evidence. And any time there is anything that might be evidence, it usually gets, uh, uh, you know, picked up by the moral powers that be. Uh, so, you know... Um, but yeah, I think there's a there's a good possibility that there's a supernatural quality to sure. these and well, man. And you know, in my experience, like I said, he crossed the highway and then he was gone. So he either dropped out of all fours and, and spread eagle, you know, or whatever, on on the ground, or he walked in the thin air. It was one or the other because we came up upon him within you know seconds and he was gone. And he had just crashed right in front of us and bullet could see. If you ever want some more information on British Bigfoot, I've got a lady I know called Deborah Hatswell, who's very, very knowledgeable about British Bigfoot. She has loads of witnesses accounts. And I've interviewed her before and I know her quite well. I'll give you the, uh, I'll send you her Facebook thing so that you can chat to each other if you wish. Yeah, you know, in a country like uh, England, 
you know, being on a small island compared to, you know, a continent like America or Europe, Asia, you would, you know, one would figure that there can't be, there's not a lot of places for these things to hide, you know, and there's surely, uh, you know, people would have, if there were Bigfoots in uh, Great Britain, they wouldn't be able to find them. And just like anywhere else, you know, the, the reports that he, there are reports of these, you know, so yeah, some of the reports are hoaxy, but not all of them are. Some of them are, are good, solid reports from sincere, genuine people. Uh, and, you know, that's, uh, yeah, I think there's a little bit more going on than just uh, the flesh and blood animal evading us. It's possible, you know, but I, I think there's something, I don't know, I, I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know if it's invisibility. I don't know. You know, I couldn't tell you, but they're able to evade us. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if you've got got such a thing as ley lines over the United States. I think you have, but you haven't done as much investigations as what we know over in the UK. And if you look, well, this is yet again another theory. Most the times when I look up. Uh, reports of UFOs and cryptids and paranormal, most of the time they are on the ley lines. You know, and that's interesting because uh, one of the things our society does is we do these paracryptozoological expeditions. Paracryptozoology being uh, the study of uh, uh, some cryptids out there may have powers or abilities that humans don't possess. So, you know, uh, and, and this is how they would be able to beat us. And so one of the things we look at when we go out and do these things are ley lines. Get the dowsing rods out and walk the area and see if there's, we pick up on any uh, ley lines. And you can find maps and stuff too that you can correlate with. Um, you know, to see if uh, there's anything in the area that, because if you find an area and, and you find, you can establish a ley line in the area uh, by dowsing with the rods and stuff, then that to me uh, increases the likelihood that there's a possibility for paranormal activity. Yeah, and that would be noted and, and written down then. You know, even back, even, any, anywhere we investigate, we do that. You know, homeowners, that's one of the things we do, um, is walk the property with rods and see if there's any, uh, we pick up on anything like that, you know. I, I, I seriously do believe um, that there is a alien life out there and they have visited us. Because there are um, evidence in the Aboriginal um caves like there's uh, pictures of giant men looking down at them i think it's uh, i think it's near red rock i'm not too sure um, i apologize if i got that wrong but it, it there is an aboriginal artwork out there and um i think what they do i think they're coming to visit us to have a look around to make sure that we we're making making sure we're okay 
Also, I've talked to quite a few people that have been abducted and uh, had, um, like, they find a little bit of metal inside of them that no one can explain where this bit of metal has come from. You know, you had brought up scary experiences, and uh, I don't believe I'm abducted. I have no reason to believe I'm abducted. But the scariest experience I had in my adult life happened during one of the three UFO sightings I had. And uh, what happened was I was sleeping. I was in a, uh, a dead sleep in the middle of the night. And I was sleeping on the couch. And next to the couch was this picture window, big picture window. And the curtains were drawn. So it was just window. There was no curtains. And the window, like, you had the, the picture windows, but you can also open, like, the bottom part of it. So, you know, the window was open, too. And all of a sudden, I opened my eyes out of a dead sleep. You know, I'm lying on my back. All of a sudden, my eyes pop open, and I turn my head to the right. And I, and the second I did that, I could see the sky. And just as I did that, I see this orange oval thing shooting back and forth. And it was, I'd say it was about the size of, um, if you took a quarter out of your pocket and put it at arm's length, something like that, but it was orange. And I, and I say it's a oval because it was going so fast. And it, it looked like it was gritting something or it was looking for something. So it would go one way, then the other, then the other, then the other, like back and forth and it would shoot really fast. And... What I noticed was the dog across the street was barking, and then it started whining. And right when it started whining, the aviary upstairs, from where I was sleeping, there's an aviary up there uh, where birds are bred. There's like 50 birds and parakeets and cockatoos, and, and they're in these cages, canaries and stuff, and they get this thing called night fright. And something spooks them, and they all start flapping their wings. Well, it's really loud. And it's violent. They can break their wings and stuff when they do this. Um, so that happened all within the, the few moments. And I noticed the, there's no, I can't, I can't hear any swamp. And I'm next to a swamp as well. So my instinct was, Kevin, you need to hide. I'm in my, I think I was like 22 or 23 when this happened. Um, so anyways, yeah, so I got up and I, uh, I did, I, I went and I, I literally hid behind a lazy boy and I felt naked. I felt, uh, afraid. I felt like if it knew that I was aware of it and it wanted to do something to me, it could, and there'd be nothing I could do to stop it. I thought it was looking for something. I, I don't know if it was looking for me something else and I can't even tell you it was at the UFO as a uh, nuts and bolt crap. It was just a large oval orange light. And uh, so but whatever it was it woke me out of a dead sleep. My sixth sense went off. My eyes popped open. I looked right through the window. This thing is flying around. The dog goes from barking to whining. The birds are, you know, they make this loud racket when they all start flapping their wings in cages. Uh, sounds like a hundred grouse or pheasants fly off. And 
and uh, just you know, it, it was it was unholy. Whatever it was was unholy, and it was up to no good. I don't know what it was, but and yeah. So um, fortunately, I didn't notice anything in my body. I didn't notice any missing time. Uh, I don't have nightmares about uh, abduction. So uh, you know, I don't think anything happened to me. But I think that uh, my sixth sense. And I, I, I don't. I'm not a psychic, but I've had a, a few psychic experiences in my life, or things that, you know, I like that. Like, like what I just told you. You know, like almost like spidey sense or something, or something tells you there's something wrong, or, or one of them kind of things. And that was one of them times. And uh, yeah. I thought I'd bring that up because you had brought up implants and stuff, which is ufology, and my scariest uh, experience has, happens to be, uh, would be classified in ufology. You know, there's always a person, I, I guess there's always a chance that what I saw could have been a spirit or, or could have been an entity or something looking to possess somebody or, or who knows what, but uh, I, I just call it a UFO. I, it was flying around. I don't know what it was. And as a ufologist, I, you know, we, uh, like, you know, we're expected to know UFOs and IFOs, identified flying objects. And I, the thing that was gritting around the sky that night was nothing I had ever seen that I was aware of. I mean, this was, it was so fast. It was so fast. I mean, it was supernatural, totally supernatural. And, we have, and it didn't just affect me, it affected others around me, too. So I know I wasn't hallucinating, or I, I know it wasn't a dream. Well, I, I, um, um, Jennifer, can I just ask you something? Sure. Um, now, when um, you may have heard my uh, paranormal experience before, but I'll tell you again. Um, basically, I was in a coma of uh, with blood sugar one two four, and whilst I was in a coma, I heard a woman's voice I've not heard before or since, and I had an overwhelming feeling to wake up. I seriously believe this was my guardian angel, and also when I was in the coma. I seriously believe that I was never in the real world or the next realm. Have you had anybody else that's had that kind of experience? Yeah, and what what you're sounding, what you're what you're describing sounds. I mean, I, I've come across people that I've talked to over the years that have had several experiences, and I, and I usually tell them that very well could have been your guardian angel. Because um, whenever you go into any kind of coma or anything medically related when you come out of it a lot of people that don't have a lot of psychic abilities may actually end up getting very prominent psychic abilities from it um so it's not really unheard of and that that very well could have been your guardian angel well certainly you have like uh um, near-death experiences, uh, out-of-body experiences that happen. When, you know, uh, one experience I had, I was four years old, and I uh, was playing with my sisters, and I was playing on stairs, and I fell down a flight of stairs. And, uh, you know, the next thing I know, after I fell down this flight of stairs, is that I'm looking down on my body, 
and I can see my sis, my three sisters and my mom at that point had come from upstairs. They had called, and they were trying to revive me. And I was like, Kevin, wake up, wake up! And she's like slapping my cheek, and I'm watching this from the ceiling, looking down. And then the next thing I know, I'm back in my body. I open my eyes, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's, he's here, you know. You know, Kevin, don't play on the stairs. You know, you scared us and all that. And, uh, but I'll never, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget looking down at my body and seeing them trying to revive me. Like just for a few moments, I was like knocked out of my body. Yeah. Uh, certainly, people have, you know, paranormal or supernatural. Also, do, when they do um, coroners do um, the, the uh, I can't remember what it's called, the autopsy. Um, there's always a 20 gram difference in the body that they can't seem to explain. Right, right. Yeah, it's measured in grams. I think it was, what was it, 23? Yeah. Um, three grams. Yeah. It'd be like the same thing as if a person was ill and went into a coma and passed away and they were just gone for like five minutes, ten minutes. And they come back and all of a sudden they're, they have sensibilities. They're able to see things, smell things, hear things that they didn't necessarily have the ability to do before. And certainly at a minimum, you know, uh, these kind of experiences wake people up where they weren't spiritual before, where they were spiritually retarded, let's say. And afterwards, because of such a uh, profound experience, their, their whole, like I said, their paradigm shifts a little bit. And uh, now it's something that they got, they've been presented it. They know it's real now. You know, they know there's more to the world than just what we've been taught in, in you know, grade school education, uh, high school education, whatever, you know. Um, right, I mean, you people that have encounters like that, and they'll come back and then, you know, they'll be talking to their loved ones and doctors and hospital staff, and they'll describe to them who and what they saw while they were dead for however many minutes they were dead for and it varies from person to person some people have you know I, I noticed one of the things with a lot of people is they say that they just felt so much happy they felt happiness they felt such a calm come over them such peace that they couldn't explain it and they really questioned coming back well I, I best what, what this, this, well I keep telling people that's why I always kill, say, aka Ghostman when I do my bit, because basically, for those three weeks, anything could have happened. I don't know anything about those three weeks. So I, I seriously believe, you know, I was. So you were in a coma for three weeks. Yeah, I was three weeks in a coma. Oh, that's 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 incredible that you had uh, experience uh, in coma. Yeah, because I've heard of, like I said, near-death experiences or, or being, you know, out-of-body stuff. Right. Um, but for coma people, well, I mean, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, but if you, if you think about it, when you're in a coma, you're, you're kind of there, but oh, you're sure. not. Sure. So you're, you're in and out. Right. I can totally see that. I mean, the brain, if there's brain activity, it's got to be somewhere doing something, you know? And uh, I'm... I can totally see that. It's kind of like when you have when you have people that are terminally ill or people that are towards the end of their life, and you know they're they're, they're surrounded by their living family members in the hospital, and then they're sitting there 
smiling and laughing, explaining to people, like, you know, there's Uncle Uncle Fred and there's Aunt Joe and, you know, because they're, they're able to see these deceased family members. And a lot of the belief is, is that when a person gets ready to pass away, that you're not alone, that you will have family that will come and get you and will be with you to well, get you prepared for your journey across. Well, I, both, unfortunately, both of my parents have died. But I honestly believe that before people die, they have one really good day, no matter how ill you are. And I think you're allowed to have this one really brilliant day where you're up and about, you're talking, you're laughing, you're joking, you're compensmentous, as they say, with your family. Because I think that's the, that, that's been given to you so that people can have a loving memory left left behind when you're gone. Oh, for sure. That is, that is I believe, the same. I believe the same the same thing completely. I mean, I've, I, we've even heard of, of cases and watched lectures when people talk about um, having, about their loved ones having appetites back and requesting full meals and, like, maybe, like, something like an alcoholic beverage or even a cigarette. And then there are uh, some people, of course, you know, they have the tunnel experience, right? Where they're going to, you know, they can see someone at the end of the tunnel and, and they don't feel any chaos or malice. It feels love and light. Then there are other people who report uh, actually going to hell or having a hellish experience. And, of course, what is hell? The absence of God, right? Um, and wherever they're at or wherever they go, it scares them. And, uh, you know, there are some of the people, actually, who, who really get affected. You know, they come back, too, and they realize, you know, you know, crap, if there's a, if there is an afterlife or something after or out of our body or beyond, you know, I don't want to go back to that place I was just at. You know, I better do what I can spiritually to ensure that never happens again. I think that God is like an energy force and that when we go, our energy joins like a hive, you know, like a, a giant hive of energy. And also, probably, that's probably what happens when people go to hell. Instead of going to like a light energy, they go to a dark energy. Right. I think, I think a lot of it has to do with the type of person you were while you were alive because there's that saying as in life so in death you know if you you get a really really bad person who is just the meanest of mean and did all kinds of unspeakable things you know a lot of times when they're on their deathbeds and they're about to go you know from what they what they tell people from their experiences and what they're seeing is it's pretty much hell and they don't they don't want to go i think that when you have people like this that Hell is, you know, presented to them after the fact. Well, here's your life review. This is the kind of person that you were, and this is what you did. And you know, you can either change and not go there, or you could keep doing what you're doing and go there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, the, the older path. Uh, you're given a choice in life. Uh, and they, again, the, the people who say that's why we were given the um, the option of two, uh, um, free fault. 
Yeah, yeah, we have free will. You know, God, God, one thing he gave us, all of us, is free will. And we have, we use that free will to either, either follow him and just be a loving, light, good person, or take the other path, which is, in fact, if you think about it, as Kevin had said before, you know, it's devoid of God. Did you watch him? There was a program on over here on British television about the female disciples of Christ. It was a very interesting program. Female disciples of Christ? No, it doesn't. I don't think we have. Well, it's basically because Emperor Constantine didn't like women, so he basically wrote, wrote them out of the Bible. Uh, basically destroyed any, tried to destroy any evidence about them. And this program was quite interesting because it it said to uh, how, how the the disciples must have um, had females with them because at the time you weren't allowed, men were not allowed to talk to women on their own. Basically, memories that have been passed on to you from that person, and it's not actually reincarnation as in you've been born again. It's just that the memory has been passed on so that you can learn from your mistakes from last time. Well, certainly, right? You're saying like the, the genetic explanation. 
like like memory dreams. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, like the, yeah that, that kind like of memory thing. dreams from my grandparents and me. And so when I have a past life, if I had a past life regression, that it, it may possibly be one of my forefathers or past life. Yeah, like her past memory's been implanted in you, in your because our brain. We don't use half of it, apparently. And, and you know, you got to wonder why too. I mean, we're not. Well, once we sinned, the human hum, humankind became less than it was. The, we had death and sin for the first time ever, and we were not originally meant to experience that. You know, it's like yeah, there's good, you have yin and yang, good and evil, but good was first. Before, and of course, evil always turns on itself in the end. You know, we're got, we're good, enjoy strength and unity. That's why I think good wins in the end, and love conquers all. Um, but you know, I, as far as the past, you know, there are passages in the Bible um, that kind of, when you read them, it kind of does seem a little bit like it's talking about a reincarnation. And if it's possible, let's say we did have a higher self in, in heaven or wherever, and um, every you know every so often we decide we want to live a human life, and uh, you know while we're living that human life, we don't remember our past lives unless we're hypnotized and regress and it's brought out a little bit here and there. But otherwise, you know, for the, for the you know, and kids can you know some little kids can sometimes remember details about past lives. And these are people that they're not related to, that did exist, that they were able to track down and find out who these people were. I know, wow, they did exist. There was a uh, painter, a house painter named so-and-so who would have, you know, in Italy and, you know, this. And then, wow, holy, you know, that's interesting. So there's evidence for it. And, you know, if we did have a higher self, then perhaps, you know, um, after every lifetime, we can go to our higher self and remember all of our past lifetimes and reflect upon them. You know, and then when it comes time for us to live again and maybe try to prove ourselves again or learn something new and grow, uh, then we go back and, and, and we start over and, you know, as a baby. And, and until we get back to our higher self, we're not going to remember any of the other lives or any of the experiences we had. That's impossible. I don't know if it's true or not, you know. Um, it seems like they have one lifetime, they have it so short in the span of all of eternity, especially if God creates things to exist. And one thing you can't do is destroy a soul. It seems like we would have more than just, you know, between one to a hundred years to enjoy this dimension. But that's just me. I, I don't know. Jennifer, do you... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Jennifer, do you believe that when kids have, like, invisible friends, you know, when kids, like, have visible friends in, in life, I believe that the invisible friends are actually ghosts.
you don't realize at that age that you're the only person that can see your friend and nobody else can. Um, so yeah, it could be human spirits. I know that there are a lot of cases too where uh, demonic entities like to take on the guise of children as well to befriend little kids because that's happened. But yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the kids that when they tell their parents that they have friends that they're not the imaginary playmates that their parents might think that they are. A skeptic's answer to uh, the ghost friend. Also, um, you said mentioned about conspiracy theories, and I've heard some really wonderful, really lovely conspiracy theories. One of my best ones I heard about was that President Kennedy was actually a werewolf, and that the government realized knew about this, and that's why they shot him with a silver bullet. And when the when you and the silver bullet was replaced by a, a clean bullet on the site. Yeah, I... I... I've never heard that before. Um, Neither have I. Uh, okay, well, what do we know? President Kennedy, right, was, uh, going to secret societies. And secret societies... Uh, do practice rituals where uh, shape-shifting is, um, has been mentioned, you know, the, the, uh, the vibration changes. Well, certainly you have, if you look at the history of werewolves, you know, um, the, the idea of mixing magic and with, with some kind of deity worship to, trans, to change yourself, you know, like the skinwalker, or, or uh, you know, just to to go from a human into maybe a werewolf, you know, for a short time, and then back into a human. Uh, Hollywood says that if you get bit by a wolf, you to turn into a werewolf. Well, it's Hollywood. But uh, if you look at the, the historical stuff, all the stuff regarding werewolves, as, as we think of them, a lot of it has to do with occult stuff. So, you know, I, I, but, you know, it's weird because, you know, I follow conspiracies, and uh, that's not why I, I, you surprised me on that one, I, I got to be honest. I never heard that Kennedy was a little. Yeah, that surprised me when I heard it. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, uh, I mean, obviously the top conspiracy of all time, well, I, I consider it the one of the top conspiracies, and I blame Capricorn 1, the film myself. And you obviously know where I'm going here. Landing on the moon. Yeah, the... Well, the... the probably the number one theory is that Kennedy wanted to uh, end the Federal Reserve. And he was planning on opposing um, a lot of things that the secret societies had planned for America. And... So they hired the mafia to kill um, him, you know. Uh, and you know, it was all—it was the supposedly Lyndon Johnson uh, was in contact with, with them, and they they planned the day and the time and where how it would go down. And the, and the government side, they would have certain people stand down, 
during that that brigade, um, the presidential brigade that day, things weren't ran the way they normally were. Uh, for instance, usually there's guys running alongside of, uh, the president's car. Um, there was not that day. Yeah, there's little things like that. People being told to stand on uh, that kind of thing. And then, of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, his, 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 his killer, uh, I don't know, he, uh, I, I think he was, was just, uh, you know, a posse or a puppet. I mean, he was... He was certainly the fall guy, you know. And, uh, oh, so they, they said I, there was two guys. There was, there was two gunmen, right? And uh, so, yeah, you know, obviously, it's like that's that's what I know about it. I don't. I mean, that's like that would be the the most prominent theory. There. Yeah, I heard one about nine one one, but I won't mention that one because I think I don't know if that's true or not. I think it's too. Too upsetting for people to mention that one. We can skip that. I have opinions on that too, but then um, you know, uh, would you rather I just skip it? Wait, no, it's okay. Um, I just didn't know if it, it would upset you if I talked about it because it obviously. Oh, not me at all. No, don't. Oh, the American um, audience. So, because I know how sensitive the subject is, but basically. The conspiracy theory I've heard, and I don't know how true this is, so I apologise to anybody, and Kevin might read correct me. Uh, the conspiracy theory I heard about 911 was that actually it was committed by the actual American government. Well, right, you know, um, it was, uh, you know, basically it was done to implement power against the people. The Patriot Act. Um, since 911, airports are now. Uh, before 911, you can hop on an airport and fly around the country just like you get in a car and drive around. Post 911, uh, I mean, aside from the fact that now you had a reason to justify a whole war, right? Um, you also had reason to take away the right to liberties. And find ways to justify it, and and I feel they use patriotism while we're still strong. It's still strong in America, um, but they use the patriotism. They went after the, the, the towers. I mean, to me, it's like I can't believe that people didn't catch on right away. And I say that because of Building Three or Building Seven, whichever one you want to call it. You know, um, but yeah, so, you know, so they, they drop the towers. I think the towers were built to be dropped. Um, and they drop another building too. And no plane hit the third building and yet nobody questions it. I mean, that to me is just like, that's almost like mass hypnotism or something. I mean, the fact that a whole building dropped during this event that wasn't hit by anything. And I, you know, I don't even, to be honest, I don't even know if there were planes there. Because I've seen the CGI stuff, and uh, um, there's a couple of clips where you watch it, and you can see like a wing go through a billboard at one point. Um, and when you see the, the way the, the plane hits the, 
the tower and it comes out. I mean, even that, the CGI. Um, and, you know, if it, it's, if it was a plant CGI, and, you know, like I say, uh, the military, or, or like I would, I, I would say, the, the media was in on it at the deepest levels. The government was in on it. It was planned. It was, it was uh, if you look at the, build, the, the Bilderberg meeting this year, okay, one of the things was the topics I wanted to discuss was post-truth. And what post-truth means is that the cat is out of the bag. In other words, there's, people are waking up to what's going on. People realize that the government is seriously corrupt. People realize that secret societies are responsible for this. People realize that there is a world agenda to, to take liberties um, and dominate, you know, um, it's, it's, there's so much overwhelming proof. I mean, we're to the point now where, where we see Big Brother. I mean, they have facial recognition cameras they want to put up on every street corner now. They're already putting on cars. They're already at Walmart. They're already at, uh... uh and also, Kevin, when you think about yeah. it, political correctness is a form of mind control. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh... That's, uh, it is. It really is. It's, it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy. Because basically you feel afraid. You Say, say if I, I'm going to give you an example. You go down to a park and you think, oh, I'm going to look. You look at a kid playing like, because you think, oh, that was me once upon a time. But you think, oh, better not stay around because people might think I'm some sort of unhealthy person. Now, that's just you thinking it. Because people have made you, the, the the media has put that inside your head. I'm not saying these people don't exist, obviously, but also well, the media, right? The media is a very powerful arm of the what would you call it? The the juggernaut. And also, they're controlling they're controlling comedy. You think about comedy now. Comedy, I I I I mean, I know in the states it might be slightly different. But um, comedy is not as pushing those boundaries as much as it used to. You could make a joke about something. Say, like, you, uh, if you look at the British comedies of the 70s, yes, they were considered racist by it now. But when you look at them properly, it, it, both the protagonists got both equal um, say in the comedy, if you watch them properly. But nowadays, that would not be shown. It would not... It'd be I feel bad for because you guys are... You're, you're, you guys are ahead of us in a sense as far as uh, social conditioning and social oppression from what we're seeing. I mean, in other words, we still have guns here. You guys don't have that, you know? And yet, didn't they say, like, London's murder... Uh, we were just hearing statistics on, on how London's crime. I mean, they still have as many murders as they did um, when when they uh, or they had as many murders as we're having over here with guns. And you guys don't even have guns over there. No, uh, ours is knives. A lot of knife attacks. The point that it's not the gun, anyways, right? Yeah. Now, right now, I heard that they want. Don't they want to ban knives? 
those pointed, certain pointy items, or, I mean, that to me is just so ridiculous. Well, if they're going to do that, they might as well start banning vehicles, too, because vehicles are used as a weapon all over the place. Well, that's part of their plan. I mean, pretty soon you won't be able to drive your own car, because it will be automated. The AI is the scariest thing of all. I think AI is so scary. The artificial intelligence, the way they're going to be able to control and monitor everything. Uh, it's just, it's unnecessary, it's wicked, it's, uh, it's not the direction the human race needs to be going in. It's not the direction God wanted us to go in. It's not the, it's not a healthy direction that will, uh, prosper. Right, you know, you're always saying in films about AI, AI taking over the world, I thought, well, it already has. When you think about how many things are controlled by a computer, you look at your water, just for argument's sake, that's all controlled by um, computers and electric. How we're talking now on the internet, yet again, controlled by AI. People don't think about it, they, they think it's just old robots, but when they seriously actually look at it, our lives are more controlled by an AI now than ever before. Yeah, it's getting worse and worse. Um, you know, uh, the restaurant chains here are now starting to have it to where you need to use the app to make your fountain drinks by Bluetooth. You know, while at Walmart stores here, they want to get rid of uh, physical cashiers and have it all AI. Well, that's because... Yeah. But that's because... the. Obviously, you, well, you have the pound here, you have the dollar over there. They want to get rid of paper money, and they want to make it electronical money, so they know exactly what you're spending on it, how you spend it, why you spend it. And so, then, say you're on benefits, like I am over here in the UK, they might say, oh, why are you buying that? What do you need that for? And then they could do investigations on you, because they can trace it, but with cash... If I come up to you and you had a, just something for sale and I said, oh, here are, Kevin, here's $20, they can't trace that. Exactly. And that's what they want. That's one of the, the things they want to implement um, is a cashless society. Uh, and that would be all run through AI. And, of course, the banks, which are the robber barons that are causing all this. These are the guys in the secret societies or... or people 
Uh, you know, like we have laws now, like, you know, you can't collect rainwater. There's some places where they won't let you cut your own firewood now. It's like, it's just so messed up. It's to the point over here where your kids need permits to have lemonade stands, permits for little kids that oh want to sell lemonade. I, I, I mean, I've I obviously seen, I go by the, the films, so I, I can't, when the, I've seen where you've got the lemonade stands and the kids, they, they like, a couple of cents each with homemade lemonade, just for, the, like, making a bit of profit for them to buy something for themselves or their mum or their dad or... Oh, right. I mean, it's, it's like, the, we lose freedom every day. We really do. And the problem is we're starting to run out of it. Um, yeah, imagine, you know, 10 years, 20 years from now, you get in your car because you can't drive it anymore. You hop in your car, it recognizes you with the facial recognition. Oh, guess what? You have a warrant out for the arrest because you forgot to pay a utility bill, right? Pretty soon that's going to be, you know, things like that are going to happen. It could be anything. Okay, let's, let's, let's work by today's standards. You get in the car, um, and guess what? There's a warrant for you because you forgot to pay your expired plates or something, whatever. You know, there's something that doesn't hurt anybody. You know, it's, it's, not a, it's, it's not a violent crime or anything. But guess what? It's, you're not going to work that day. It's going to drive you right to the, the police department, you know? So they can... That's, it's just that kind of stuff. I mean, it will be so oppressive. It will be so over the top. That uh, uh, is it And of course now you know these poor millennials, um, they don't remember the the freedoms and the things that we enjoyed growing up and having in our early adult lives. Well, I you seriously know? believe that history repeats itself. Now this is my other theory. Now I might upset this may upset Americans now. So I apologise very much in advance. Now, your president, Trump, now some of the rhetoric he says is very similar, not completely, but like what Hitler used to do. I'm not saying he's the same, but the rhetoric that he's very able to talk to the people at their level. Oh, he's certainly got charisma. There's no doubt. And Hitler had charisma too. You know, Ted Bundy had charisma. But, you know, certain people have just amazing charisma, and Donald Trump is one of them people. And I think history will repeat itself because, oh, um, not because of him, but because a we got the heat wave coming at the moment, and there be there will be fights over water. At one point. Um. He's made a deal with Korea. Now, whether they'll keep to it is another thing. And the fear of nuclear bombing isn't such a fear anymore. It's like, a, oh, well, you got a nuclear bomb, I've got one. So what? <laughs> well, you know, is, uh, I feel like, let's put it this way, I am grateful that he became president and Hillary didn't. And I was yeah. very glad that we got out of the TPP. Um, he is, he definitely goes against the grain. And that's why he is not white. And that's why the medium 
the media demonizes them. They want their people back in control. He was not. Uh, they were. He was not supposed to win that election. They had done everything they could do to, to make sure Hillary would win that. And so many people were disgusted with the corruption from from Hillary and just the, the yeah, just corruption that uh, more people voted for Trump than they than. Uh, that even all the rigging and all the tampering with polls and all the the money spent could, could uh, muster. And you know, I I think of you know, like you guys had Brexit and we had you know Trump. Yeah, uh, that was yeah. The, the, the magic yeah. Brexit that like, we voted for it, but nobody wants it. You know why they don't want it? All down to money. Big well, money. Is it that nobody wants it, or is it that the media tells you nobody wants it? I think it's partly the media, because the media is yet again controlled by the rich. And they, yeah, don't, want, they, they, they don't want it because they're going to lose lots of money. Europe is a very big cash cow. And I, I think it's basically wrong. I think it's like everything. If, if you have a, there's ten people in the room, and say you want a coffee, and... Nine people put their hands up and say, yeah, I want a coffee. And the one person says, no, I don't want it. I want a, I want a tea. And then, then they have this big debate about coffee and tea. And then later on, it's, oh, no, we have to have the tea. So that's basically what, like, it's like Brexit's coming out. You know, I, oh, it's all about the borders and all that. But basically, you know and I know that Every country will keep trading with each other, no matter if they don't belong to something or not. Because everything's controlled by money. It's not controlled by anything else. And that's my opinion about Brexit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, again, the, the cat's out of the bag. People are waking up. People, every day, more and more people are understanding that Democrats and Republicans are two sides of the same coin. And the coin, you know, if people really want to change things with laws, you know, um, while we can change things peacefully, they need to uh, vote for people who don't belong to secret organizations, secret uh, societies, and secret, you know, anything. wrong with him don't take as i say i, I was yeah you know, I, I don't think like you said i think he, he's like everything he get everybody gets demonized at one point if they stand up and say no we don't want you that's that that's the demonization that, that you said 
I think we've covered quite a few various and wonderful subjects, and I think this will come across quite well myself. I mean, I hope you've enjoyed my quite eclectic thinking. Oh, yeah. We absolutely enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a really wonderful interview. Yeah, we covered a lot of the unknown and unexplained. That's what it is, you know. The, we have our, our library's got eight categories. Uh, all the books we have are, are on the unknown and unexplained, and, and we divide them into eight categories. One of the categories is uh, conspiracies, crime, and corruption. You know, uh, because it is unknown, and we don't know uh, what's going on or what the answers are to many of them questions. Uh, just, just like ghosts and haunted places is one. Just like cryptozoology is one. Just like aliens and UFOs and metaphysics and theology and uh, you know forbidden archaeology, urban legends and folklore. Uh, I think that's some. But yeah, you know. Uh, before yeah, we did, we covered quite a bit. Before we sign off, would you like to give any links that you'd like people to go to? Any books or anything you'd like to mention? Please do. easiest way to find us is probably go on Facebook and type in Northern Wisconsin Paranormal Society LTD uh, and it will take you to our link page. There's a link to our website on our link page uh, so you can check out our website. You can also uh, if you're on Facebook check out uh, Jennifer Malik's Psychic Demonologist. That's Jennifer's link page. Um, check out Paraversal Universe on the late night in the Midlands Radio Network. That's our radio show every Friday night, um, 10 p.m. Uh, in the UK, I Yes. And uh, 4 p.m., 4 to 6 p.m. Central here. Uh, what else? Lake Monstrosities, check that out. Uh, Ultimate Conspiracies. Ultimate Conspiracies. It's a good one to check out. Um, but yeah, if you go, if you find our Northwest Constant Paranormal Society like page, every, you can find everything else from there. And you can also find out, you can find out our articles on Supernatural Magazine. Yep. I'd like to thank you both for giving you the, your time of day. I do appreciate that people do this for me. I always like to say thank you because my granddad when he was alive, always used to tell me, say, please, thank you, and be always polite and kind to people, and you get the same back. Well, I'll reciprocate. Yes, and thank you for having us on. Yes, thank you so much for having us on. No, no problem. Uh, thank you very much, and I should say um, good morning from my end, and good evening your end. <laughs> It's just about to get dark. Okay then. Thank you for thank you again. Bye then. Bye. Bye.